Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am back reunited with our lead fantasy analyst, Mr. Nathan Yonke. Nate, we're both back from our little PTO breaks now, hopefully feeling refreshed, recharged, ready to go as we're kind of in the thick of training camp season now, one week away from the Hall of Fame game between the Browns and the Jets. We're, we're so close. How are you feeling? Uh, feeling good. First off, thank you to Ben Brown for taking both of our places one at a time over these past two shows, but definitely happy to have you back as well and feel doing well. Happy to have we've got preseason football in one week from now. Yeah. So it feels a little intimidating having football back and making sure I have everything ready to go for that, but definitely excited for football to be back here. Yeah, yeah, me too. And yeah, shout out to Ben. He was awesome. Uh, We talked breakout wide receivers. I know you guys talked training camp storylines last episode and we'll do it again today because in in natural NFL style, one of the biggest talking points from last episode, the running back holdouts, um, specifically Saquon Barkley, uh, requires an important update. So we'll, we'll get into that today among many other Keynotes as there are now multiple stories to cover pretty much every day, every week to to get the good folks ready for fantasy season. So I'm excited. Um, But before we do that, we want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, your child's well-being is your top priority. You want to see them chase their dreams, embrace life's adventures, and thrive in this world. But you also know life can be unpredictable, and that's why it's important to plan for the unexpected so they continue to thrive no matter what. Fabric was designed by Parents for Parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you it's all online and on your schedule you could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required join the thousands of parents who trust fabric to protect their family apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy that's meetfabric.com slash fantasy M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right. So let's get things started with probably the most significant piece of fantasy news from this week, at least in regards to maybe the most fantasy relevant player that is, and that is Saquon Barkley re-signing with the New York Giants. Um, So basically he agreed to a one-year deal of $10.1 million, which included a $2 million signing bonus. Um, He can earn an additional $909,000 in incentives, making this a potentially $11 million contract. He was set to play on the franchise tag at 10.1 million with no bonus, no incentive. So he adds a little bit of insurance money to the season while also betting on himself. And more importantly, will not be holding out into training camp or the regular season, which is great news for fantasy purposes. Um, Of course, this news dropped on the same day that I had published my updated running back ranks and tiers where I dropped him down a few spots because of the holdout concern. So even better timing there with him personally attacking me. Um, No, I'm just kidding, but that's okay. Uh, Nate, With the Saquon news, I know I'm feeling a lot better about him um, with the updated lack of question marks now heading into 2023 and and willing to move him back into that top five running back conversation for this season. Uh, How about you? I still have him in my top five. I wrote a player profile for him that went up yesterday. And I think for me, like he definitely rebounded in the run game, which is huge. I think he still has a very safe floor in terms of where he's at with Rusher. He'll dominate carries for the Giants and they'll still run the ball plenty. For me, the big concern is for him as a receiver, uh, just because uh, he did it a ton last year, wasn't all that effective. Part of it was he led the league in drops for running backs, which um, as we've seen, usually isn't very predictive from one year to another. So he should bounce back in that perspective but he still wasn't very effective when he caught passes as well. So um, they did draft Eric Gray, who his big thing is he's a receiving running back. He's probably never going to be in every down back for the Giants, but Gray could take some of those third downs going forward. So that could cost Barkley some of his volume. There's also a chance Barkley just rebounds, plays as he did as a rookie in the passing game, and then he has a chance at RB1 overall if that happens. But 
I am just a little bit concerned about his playing time on passing downs just because he, they play him so much to begin with anyway. So they could try to tone down his snaps just a little bit for someone like Eric Gray. Yeah, it makes sense. And and yeah, he led the team in targets last year too. I, I you know, he was the only running back that averaged um, 20 touches per game. He also while also bringing in three and a half receptions per game at a minimum. Um yeah, well, yeah, if Eric Gray works his way and I know Eric Gray um as far as like stable metrics go and receiving grades from from college, he he was one of the few that um graded inside the top 10 of this draft class and also uh, in the top 10 in, in rushing grade as well and like you said, more of a receiving profile. Um I know I was getting a little bit more excited about my Eric Gray dynasty shares. If there was going to be a Saquon holdout, not so much anymore. Um, but we definitely look forward to having Saquon back. The the Giants, I think Darren Waller coming in probably has a good chance to lead that team in targets as well. They don't really have like a alpha wide receiver to be the focal point of the passing game. So Darren Waller, I, I think Saquon could still be in there. But like you said, there's absolutely a risk there um, with Eric Gray uh, being drafted and, and potentially eating into some of those snaps as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm willing to put Saquon Barkley back into that top five uh, running back conversation for fantasy for this season as well. There, I will add, they did add James Robinson, which I completely missed on the last podcast. So sorry about that. But I'm not too concerned about Robinson just because the injuries have been lingering. He's been with the Jaguars, the Jets, the Patriots, all within the last, what, 12 months or so. And each of those teams were ready to move on from him despite how well he played as a rookie. So just the fact that so many teams were ready to move on, I'm not all that concerned about having Robinson on the roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good call. Um, all right, so let's go from Saquon Barkley, one potential top five running back, to maybe another top five running back, Rashad Penny, um, or maybe I'm just getting slightly ahead of myself there. So allow me to pump the brakes just slightly, not too much, but slightly on the hype of Rashad Penny getting the first offensive snaps at Eagles camp. Um, you know, we've talked about Penny a few times on this podcast already. We've both both written him up in a positive light for the website as well. So I, I know we're both fans of his. I, I know that both of us were kind of expecting this to be the case, despite, you know, all the DeAndre Swift hype and things like that. So at least this kind of confirms it a little bit. The, the Penny stocks are rising in the fantasy market. And if healthy, he could be an absolute steal at his current ADP beyond that 10th round or so. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Does this move the needle for you or or just confirm kind of what you were were already thinking with Penny? I mean, I enjoyed the fact that I was able to pump him up a little bit more just because <laughs> that news broke. But after listening to Nick Sirianni's comments and how they rotate the running backs in general, if anything, I'm might be a little lower just because they're also including Boston Scott and Trey Sermon in the running back rotation. So that's five running backs that would be getting at least some first time work in camp. And going back to last preseason, they were just rotating running backs by drive rather than doing it by situation, which to me makes a lot of sense to do in the preseason, just because then you're putting running backs in situations that they might not normally be in. But like, we know Penny's not going to play on third downs in general, even if he's playing on some third downs in the preseason. So, however, we're seeing this kind of rotation work out in training camp and the preseason. It's good to see that he's on the top of the list right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to stay at the top of the list. And that certainly doesn't mean that he's going to be the main guy on third downs. It's going to be either Swift or Gainwell in those situations. So the fact that there's so many people in the rotation, he could fall to second, he could fall to third or fourth just because they haven't invested much in any of their running backs. So if Trey Sermon happens to have a third year breakout, then there's a chance Sermon makes the roster and one of these other running backs doesn't. So the fact that they still view five running backs highly rather than just three highly is a little concerning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good call. And it does make me think like a little bit about, you know, rotating some of these guys in and how much of that, you know, has to do with, with um, pennies, like, status of being in and out of the lineup dealing with injuries and stuff like that and trying to get some of these guys maybe comfortable with the first time or first team offense as well and um, making sure that they are ready if they do have to kind of step in because I, I don't think that we would see you know an immediate um, 
uptick in snaps for for DeAndre Swift necessarily in, in carrying that kind of early down load or anything like that. Maybe they want to have some of these other guys um, with some experience uh, on that first team offense to have them maybe potentially ready to go if Penny does miss time. We know health has always kind of been the concern with Penny. We've seen him miss so much time in his career already. Um, but like you said, I, I guess it was a few episodes ago, we'd rather have these kind of high floor and, and high upside guys in our lineup for um, potentially, you know, double digit times a year at the cost of them maybe missing a few games versus some of these lower floor, low ceiling plays that aren't really going to win us weeks. Right. So to me, I think Penny is kind of the perfect encapsulation of that high floor, high ceiling play on a weekly basis, every time he'll be in the lineup. And I'm still, I'm absolutely still targeting him, targeting him in, in, in every draft that I can and, and have been all off season long. But um, like you said, if there is, if there does end up being more of a rotation that could absolutely hurt him too. So something to be cautious about there um, in Philadelphia. All right, let's keep the running back conversation going, but shift over to another New York team, this time being the New York football Jets, as Dalvin Cook is flying over to meet with the team today, today being Thursday, uh, to discuss a potential contract there. Uh, we just saw Aaron Rodgers restructure his deal with the team to allow for more cap space, and, and that could really be the key to potentially allowing this signing to happen. We'll see. Um, Brees Hall still currently on the pup list as well. So, so this is one that could feel is starting to feel at least more likely to potentially get done. Um, Nate, how how would you feel if Dalvin Cook does sign with the Jets for the 2023 season? Yeah, it's sounding decently likely at this point. It sounded like they were only off by about a million dollars last time they spoke. So now with Rodgers restructuring his contract, it sounds more likely that this will happen. Um, obviously not good news for Brees Hall, like especially with him on the PUP list right now. That's not the best sign in the world. Like It's a little bit expected, but we've also seen other players that we thought would end up on the PUP list who weren't on it. So um, the fact that Hall is on it is a little concerning. Um, it would be nice to have seen some of these other younger Jets running backs get more opportunities. Uh, Michael Carter, Zonovan Knight both looked well when they played in the past. So I personally would have preferred to see these younger backs get more playing time if Hall isn't ready for the start of the season. So F. Cook does sign. I'm probably moving Cook down the rankings just because he would be a clear backup to Hall in my opinion, but who knows what the Jets exactly are thinking of how these running backs rotate. So it would start to seem like a situation to maybe avoid if they think that highly of Cook. But F I think the most likely scenario is once Hall is healthy, he's getting the majority of the snaps and Cook is getting a minority of them. So um, that definitely probably moves Cook down my rankings and I would think most people's rankings as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, to me, this kind of is a bit of an indication that Brees Hall could, might not be ready yet after kind of tearing his ACL in, in week seven last year, which was, you know, near the end of October. So we're not even in month 10 of his recovery. So probably pointing to him being brought along a, a little bit slower this season. And even when he's in the lineup now, um, should Cook sign on? I don't know how much more Cook will eat into his workload, but probably a, a bit at least enough to hurt his value. So I'd expect that we do see probably both of their ADPs fall a little bit. You know, Brees Hall was going in, in round three um, in most formats. I, I don't know. I, I For me, I feel like I'm going to stay away from him in, in that range now, just even if Cook doesn't sign there. Just as far as like the tea leaves go, this suggests that maybe you know, that that third round draft capital might be a bit of a, too much of an expectation for him to fulfill that value in 2023. You look at some other players in that range, you know, the Mark Andrews, um, Lamar Jackson's, I'd probably much rather be honing in on those guys rather than swinging at Hall in round three. It's just, yeah, it just has to do with with kind of what the team is telling us. They don't often disclose any information they don't have to, and that they don't really have to give us kind of a clear update on how on how Hall is doing. So oftentimes we're kind of left reading between the lines. And, and in this case, bringing in Dalvin Cook um, is an, and would be pretty telling indication that maybe Hall is not quite ready to return where he was at um, at pre-ACL pre last year, which is unfortunate because he, he was lighting the league on fire and, and early indication this offseason was that he could be ready. He had me optimistic, but now I, he, he'd have to fall quite a, a fair bit for me to, to take a swing on him, assuming Cook signs there. 
factor. And I would say that's certainly possible that this is an indication that Hall might not be as ready as we would hope. But I also view this as the Jets are trying to make a Super Bowl run this year at wide receiver. They've been stockpiling players that I don't think was necessarily a negative indication of any of the wide receivers they had. They just wanted to get as many good players as they could. So like we consistently thought that, Hey, maybe they would cut Corey Davis now that they've signed these guys, but Davis is still on the roster. Randall Cobb is like fifth on the depth chart and yeah, it's to make Rogers happy. But I also view deciding as, signing Dalvin Cook, who Rodgers has had to face twice a year for several years now as a move also to potentially make Rodgers happy and push them closer to the Super Bowl. So I could also see a scenario where Hall is progressing how they expect him to. Cook's just an added piece that it can't hurt to have him. So get as many good players as you can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes sense if you're planning to make a Super Bowl run to add significant depth because, yeah, p- players are going to get hurt. It, it's bound to happen. So um, being ready with with good depth players um, ready to step in at any time makes a lot of sense for them as well. So, um, yeah, I like it. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but uh, let's move on from the running backs for a second. Uh, well, at least kind of, that is, as there is some news about a sometimes running back, sometimes wide receiver, always jack of all trades, uh, Mr. Ty Montgomery getting work exclusively as a wide receiver, at least early on here uh, in camp, he was, he was not doing what all running backs have to do in practice, which is wearing that padded helmet thing that keeps Professor Xavier from reading their minds, um, and instead was seen working with the receivers and even caught a couple of touchdowns in seven on seven drills as well. Uh, Nate, with Montgomery looking to be potentially out of the running back competition in New England, are are you more or less likely to draft him in deeper leagues, most likely, but more or less interested in him from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, with Ty Montgomery, also, he was moved to wide receiver on the team website and nerds like me who like to look at the team (laughs) websites and know that often teams aren't that quick at updating these kind of things. That also felt significant to me since plenty of the time teams are very far behind in terms of updating at least the positions for players. But I'm probably still not touching Montgomery until potentially the preseason and seeing where they view him on the depth chart. I would guess that he's more of a backup wide receiver than a starter, but uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I think this is pretty decent news for him in that Um, Montgomery week one last year was the third down back for the team. It took an injury to him for Stevenson to get that third down role. So I think Stevenson pretty safely has that role at this point. I know they've um, had other running backs uh, come into town and at least for a visit, uh, no one signed yet. No one seems like they're an imminent signing, but I'm also not that worried if someone does sign and that all of the top running backs, there's at least some backup who's taking some of the playing time. So Stevenson, isn't going to play a hundred percent of snaps every week. There has to be some running back who's taking a couple of drives away from him. So it's going to be someone, I don't really care if it's a veteran that they bring in or one of the younger running backs. It's just as long as Stevenson is pretty consistently seeing those third down snaps. So he's getting those targets and targets are so important for great fantasy success. So recently wrote about league winners at running backs and I included Stevenson just because he was so efficient when he did play Uh, not many running backs, see a ton of targets. And Stevenson is one of the few that is seeing those targets. So if he improves his efficiency, if the offensive line starts playing better, that could lead to some huge numbers out of Stevenson this season. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I, I know, you know, with Bill O'Brien coming into, you know, we've seen him lean more heavily into into one back. He'll he'll be the offensive coordinator there and, and offensive play caller. So um obviously still the Patriots, so we never know what to truly fully expect there. Um, but for guys like you know, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, JJ Taylor, they're they're all kind of right now that's on the roster that stands between Ramondre and a work workhorse role. So I, I love it for Ramondre Stevenson. I know, like you mentioned last week, there was talks about, um, I think it was Leonard Fournette was going in for, for a visit. Nothing's really happened there since then. So um, still really love this for, for Ramondre Stevenson. And uh, yeah, as far as Ty Montgomery goes, it's, I mean, going to be deep leagues only. You got Juju Smith-Schuster occupying the slot there. Um, Mike Gusecki might get time there as well. And then there's the guys like Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton even. Um, I don't know that he'll he'll potentially push them for snaps either. So um, more, more, more than anything, just good news for Ramondre Stevenson, which we like. 
All right. Before we go any further, I do want to shout out one more of our sponsors, the good folks over at DraftKings. Want to get in on the fantasy action, but sick of managing your roster? Sick of players' injuries ending your season? With Best Ball on DraftKings, you get the best of your team all season long. This year, Best Ball on DraftKings is bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For a limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest Best Ball contest ever and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer expires. To start playing Best Ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF, enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scores. No ads, drops, trades, or I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with the code PFF and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and you'll get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. Only in DraftKings, only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer, opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued at 10 DraftKings dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. All right, before we get into some of like the kind of injury news, there was at least one more positive piece of contract news worth touching on uh, in Chicago with Cole Komet signing a four-year, $50 million extension with the Bears, uh, making him a top 10 paid player at the tight end position. We know Komet led all Bears receiving options in in routes run, targets, receptions, um, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns last season. So definitely helped that he stayed healthy for the full 17 games, but still has been a a reliable target for fields in in each of the past two seasons, even a a go-to in the end zone. Nate, uh, the Bears have clearly made more strides to build around fields this offseason, bringing in DJ Moore, adding to the offensive line, and now locking up a favorite target of his in Cole Komet. From a fantasy perspective, what are your initial thoughts on this update, and, and does this move the needle at all for you in regards to Komet's fantasy stock? I think it does move it a little bit for me, mostly because I've been slowly but surely moving him down a little at times. Just looking at uh, his performance last year and the years before that, he's consistently not graded very well. Um, A lot of his fantasy production has simply been volume. He runs more routes than a lot of other tight ends, which leads to more targets than other tight ends. And they really didn't have that many great receiving options outside of him last year. And then it was just middle of the season, a couple weeks stretch where he just scored a ton of touchdowns. So then at the end of the year, when you're looking at the top fantasy tight ends of the year, he ranks decently high on the list, but it was all from a stretch of time where he scored a lot of touchdowns. And if you look at how many uh, receptions he's getting per route yards per route run, those kind of things, He's not looking great. And when it's those kind of players, all it takes is a reduced role and then your fantasy production goes away. So uh, they added Robert Tanyan, who has familiarity with the coaching staff. And at one point he had 11 receiving touchdowns. So it was similar in that the one thing that uh, Tanyan's ever done for fantasy purposes is have a season where he's had a ton of touchdowns. So was a little bit worried about Tanyan potentially cutting into that receiving production but seeing that the bears were willing to give him this contract extension at least helps solidify to me that uh how highly they view him so i think that'll mean he's still seeing plenty of playing time then a lot of it just indicate is he's still a young tight end there's still plenty of room to grow for him so there's certainly a chance that this is the year that he breaks out at tight end but so far he hasn't done it. So I kind of view him similarly to other young tight ends that maybe this is the year that he breaks out, but he probably needs a breakout in order to be a consistent fantasy starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good call. And, and at least what it does too, like it instills some confidence for like dynasty purposes as well, right? Giving him that contract shows the bears are comfortable with him for, you know, long-term four years. Um, but yeah, for this season, I, I have him as, as tight end 14, I believe. So, um, you know, even though he led the team in, in, in targets through 17 games, that only accounted for like 69 targets, which while a nice number was the lowest targets for any team um, target leader across the NFL last season. So I, I know, you know, the Bears were not a high volume passing team, but 
if we expect more progression from from fields as a passer which i think we should we could see him continue to to get enough targets even with dj Moore there to push for you know weekly top 10 to 12 finishes among tight ends though he only had four of those such finishes last season right so there's definitely kind of a lot riding on on this bears passing attack to improve in 2023 and and commit is a is a big part of that as well um, but let's move to a team that doesn't have any real concerns about their passing attack because they are led by reigning MVP and Super Bowl MVP and champion Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who announced this week that Kadarius Tony underwent a couple cleanup procedures on his knee after sustaining another injury during camp last week. Um, well, the, the team is at least optimistic uh, about the potential uh, of for his availability in week one, but probably unlikely that he'll be back in camp this offseason, which are just to me at least much needed reps for for a guy who continues to miss significant time and doesn't feel um you know like this will be the last time this will be a concern right we, we talked about this kind of way back on our first episode because um tony was he was one of the biggest adp risers at the time post draft and we mentioned in that he'll he'll probably see some of the biggest swings in adp as a player who people are ready to buy in on with any kind of hype and positive news for him, especially in Kansas city, but then also kind of get completely scared off of uh, when there's any negative news coming in from him. So where, where are you at with Kadarius Tony at, at this point in the, in the off season? Um, at this point, he's, I think the biggest ADP follower of these past couple of days and sky more, the biggest riser from this news. And I do think this is concerning in that like, this was the time for him to gain more chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And now he had now the other wide receivers will get more of a chance to sky more. will get to play more in the slot, get more comfortable in that role. So even when Tony's back Kansas city, these past couple of seasons, they've had a good five to six man rotation at wide receiver. And this just gives all the other wide receivers more opportunities to gain that trust and earn that playing time. So once Tony is ready, Tony might not get as much playing time as some of these fantasy managers have been hoping for since the ideal case is he's playing maybe 70% of offensive snaps and potentially being second on the team in targets. Now I think it's a harder path to get to those 70% of offensive snaps. Now it might stay closer to 40 or 50% as someone like Sky Moore is able to capitalize on these opportunities and they have at least six or seven wide receivers that were at least worth talking about in the rotation. We talked about some of them on Monday and they're seeing a lot of playing time as well. Um, we see it in the preseason too. Kansas city for a team that's won super bowls and has a pretty established um, offensive system. They play their starters a lot in the preseason and it's a pretty good indication of what they'll do in the regular season. So um, they're probably one of the teams I'm most excited to see the first week of the preseason since we'll start to see um where these wide receivers are rotating in and out, how much they're rotating in and out. And I think we'll start to see some trends, but Tony, someone I'm probably letting someone else draft at this point, just depending on how far his ADP falls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's important, right? Just there, there's other guys that could emerge there. I mean, uh, Rushy Rice, Justin Ross, Sky Moore, they're all getting kind of increased opportunities with the first team now. Um, I, I still really like uh, the rookie Rushy Rice as a potential, you know, kind of impact player in year one. I just think, you know, he brings a, a strong skill set to the table that fits well with the what the Chiefs want to do um, with a lot of his after the catch ability. He's also, um, you know, potentially a deep threat downfield for Mahomes to take advantage of. He can kind of do it all and, and, and showed that last season at SMU, which is obviously why the team felt comfortable spending a second round pick on him. I, I know a lot of people still really like Sky Moore and that's indicated obviously by his, his ADP rising. I just think from, you know, a volume perspective, and then this is really just kind of a feeling of, cause we haven't seen rice play in the NFL, but I, I do think rice is a much better bet to see the field more in 2023, especially if, if Tony misses more time um, over a sky more, for example. So we'll see, but I think that's a, that's a name to keep an eye on as somebody that, that could fit into the offense nicely. Uh, is Rushy Rice. Yeah, and I'd add they had Richie James, who they had from the Giants, who was their slot receiver last year. Um, I know some people have been talking about James as a late-round sleeper, and I'm fine with him with the very late-round sleeper, but my guess is James is someone who can mix in and play 
30% of snaps. And then even Justin Ross is getting mixed in some with the first team, which like they've been rotating a lot of players in and getting a lot of players opportunities, which is perfectly fine. But I think that'll continue. And of course, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Justin Watson, both players who are more deep threats who probably won't see enough volume to be all that fantasy relevant, but they will also see the field a decent amount. So there's only so many snaps for these wide receivers. They also like their tight ends, brought all their tight ends back. will continue to use a decent amount of two tight end sets. So there's just so many snaps and so many targets to go around. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, well, speaking of tight ends, uh, Kyle Pitts is is not 100%. This is just a, you know one more injury note here, but um, he, he is practicing, but but he is wearing a brace on his right leg, um, so not quite yet 100%. Coming off that AC or MCL tear tear from last season, um, there were a couple of videos out there of him running routes. He, he definitely didn't look back to full speed, which you know it's still fine for his pr- first practice back, but Nate. Any cause for concern for you with with Kyle Pitts right now? At the point where I'm not moving him down my draft board yet, but I'm definitely going to be paying attention to this. Just because if he's not at 100% sooner rather than later, that could definitely be a problem throughout the season. If he's not um, playing as well as we hope, this should be a breakout year for him. He's still very young for a tight end, so there's still plenty of room for him to grow. But even just gaining chemistry with the quarterback um he they didn't play together last year i don't think at any point in any regular season action so um they haven't seen a regular snap together so ideally they'd be getting more practice together right now and practicing at 100 percent. so um pits they need to be running enough pass plays and targeting him enough to for him to reach his fantasy potential i think the sky is the limit at the falcons are become more of an average past run ratio team. But without that, um, Pitts really needs to have a lot of things go right. Like we've seen out of guys like Mark Andrews and George Kittle, who have consistently produced and run first offenses, but they need to be that focal point and have good chemistry with the quarterback. And we need to see that. And if he's not a hundred percent, it's going to be harder to get there. Yeah, definitely. And and if it eats into his offensive snaps, like like last year as well, right? We saw Arthur Smith, he wasn't afraid to take pits off the field for other tight ends, even guys like Parker Hesse, um, who nobody's ever heard of. So it, it's it's definitely important that he's healthy to, to maximize those opportunities. I, I know he was working with Desmond Ritter um, one-on-one uh, to get some kind of, you know, to get their timing down, build a connection um, with the new starting quarterback there. So at least a positive, since like you said, Pitts did not catch any passes from Ritter in 2022 so they'll certainly need to build a a rapport there and yeah it'll be it'll be one to monitor Uh, i'd be surprised if he gets you know significant playing time in the preseason but we'll see um because yeah kyle pitts i I still haven't moved him down either i I, i'd have a hard time doing it until we got some more uh substantial information and as far as his progression and in returning from the injury goes but we'll see how that goes and I definitely expect them to continue to take him out at times and run formations. They added Jonu Smith, who has been a run blocker in recent years. They still have Michael Pruitt, who's also uh, played decently on run plays. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Pitts isn't playing as much in run formations unless they put him at wide receiver, which with the depth they have at wide receiver, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of 13 personnel with Pitts being more detached from the formation and they can bring him in, which uh, if I was playing Madden, I would definitely have a lot of fun with those kind of formations and do those kind of things, but we'll (laughs) see how the Falcons decide to utilize all their interesting players that have multiple roles that they can play. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting players is a good way to put, Good way to put it, because, yeah, there's there's still a lot of uh, work that needs to be done with this offense. I, I know they even brought in uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside as well, who was playing tight end for a little bit and now I think might be back at wide receiver. So there, there's a lot going on there in Atlanta, but we want Kyle Pitts to be healthy um, for, for this season so that he can kind of get that breakout season, like you said. But um, all right, we've we, we got a few more players added to the pup list this week, um, including Jonathan Taylor. J.K. Dobbins, uh, Rashad Bateman, Noah Fant, uh, Zach Ertz is on there as well. So some key names here, obviously. Uh, Nate, anybody stand out to you as, as maybe players that to be particularly concerned about? I know not all these guys are, are expect, expected to miss regular season games, but does anyone surprise you on that list or anybody worry you? 
I think Taylor and Dobbins are a little interesting in that I don't know how much of it is injury related versus how much of it is hold out related in that I know both players aren't happy with their contracts right now and no running back is happy with their contract in general. But uh, these two in particular, I think at least part of this could be contract related, definitely saying they could also be injured and not trying to doubt them if they are actually injured. But um, we've seen some of this these disputes go on online as well involving these players and their contract situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're just not playing as much in training camp and then they'll be ready to go during the season. But it also gives more opportunities to for the backups to get more involved. And then going with Bateman, it's been a weird situation with him not showing up to camp and then showing up to camp a day later and now on the list. And with him, I believe that he's not 100% yet. So I think this just gives more opportunities for Zay Flowers. It gives more opportunities for Odell Beckham. So Bateman, someone who I have moved up and down my rankings many times this offseason with even little news going on just since the Ravens wide receiver situation is difficult to figure out. But I think I'm at a point where I would probably have both Flowers and Beckham ahead of Bateman in my rankings. Nice. I like it. Um, yeah, for for me, you know, it does sound like Taylor, at least injury wise, they 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 expect him to be fine. Although I, I don't know if he'll, you know, be too happy with with uh, Colts owner Jim Ursay's um lack of empathy towards the running back contract situation, but obviously that's another story altogether. And and like you, the, the one that, that stood out to me was Rashad Bateman in Baltimore with his absence. Um, it does, it gives significantly more time and, and reps for, for rookie Zay Flowers to shine. And, you know, Ben and I talked about him uh, last week on the breakout wide receivers episode. I, I know Kate wrote him, wrote up Flowers as her predicted winner to emerge um, from the Ravens wide receiver camp battle. I think a number of us are kind of buying into the rookie hype here. Uh, he's even earned the nickname Joystick already in camp, which you love to see. It's always a good nickname uh, for, for a football player. Um, I think, you know, every day that that Bateman is not practicing, that that's only helping the case for um, the for Zay Day to come in week one. And, and I think if that happens, there will be kind of no looking back for Flowers once he emerges in that offense. So Bateman really needs to get back practicing, I think, to keep himself in the mix and, and emerge himself. Otherwise, Zay Flowers can really take this thing and and and, and run away with it uh, by the time even week one comes around. I would also add with Noah Fan, it wouldn't be surprising if this hurts him just a little bit. Like, he's been with this offense before. That's not a problem whatsoever. It's just Colby Parkinson, who they drafted in 2020, has slowly but surely gained more and more playing time. Um, once Will Disley was out at the end of last season, it was Parkinson who saw the biggest increase in playing time. He was playing the most snaps, even though Fant was still the primary guy on third down. So I wouldn't be surprised if this just gives Seattle a little bit more confidence in some of their other tight ends and just continues to verify that this is more of a three-man rotation rather than one single guy being the guy. So um probably wasn't drafting Noah Fant very much to begin with, but this continues to indicate that I should probably stay away from him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked Noah Fant. I, I had him as, as kind of like a sleeper for this year. And then obviously this news comes out. So not ideal um, for, for this season. And like you said, there are other capable receiving options at the tight end position in Seattle. So that is definitely a concern um, as well. So yeah, there there was quite obviously you know quite a bit more news that we we could spend on spend some time on here. So let's do a few uh, quick quick hitters uh, to close this one out. Starting with uh, an important decision made in Carolina regarding the number one overall pick from this year's draft, as Frank Reich names Bryce Young uh, the team's starting quarterback. Nate, uh, this is a confirmation of kind of what we all expected here. Uh, this do anything for you? What, what do you think we should expect from from the rookie quarterback in year one? I guess. Ah, uh, yeah, this isn't surprising at all, although it is nice to hear, especially with Indianapolis and not knowing if Anthony Richardson will start week one or not. So it's at least a slight positive for him. I have Young uh, not drafting him in most redraft leagues, but in Superflex leagues, definitely willing to take a chance on him. He just kind of fits with a number of quarterbacks where it's just pretty much a complete unknown of how good he will be, but we expect him to be good at some point of time in his career. So he kind of fits with like Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, guys, uh, Brock Purdy also fits in that category of just 
we don't know too much so far and we don't have a reason to believe they will be a top 10 quarterback this year, but there's certainly a chance that they could do really well. And it's better than some other quarterbacks that we know won't do well. So if you're looking for just take a flyer on a high upside opportunity late in a draft, I'm fine picking young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing with guys like CJ Stroud and yeah, maybe Anthony Richardson falls into that bucket too, right? Like as much as we, we expect these guys to be, you know, solid dynasty assets given the draft capital and, and, and kind of the, what they've shown in college and things like that. And uh, ex- being expected starters in, in the NFL, I think there's still, you know, reason to kind of temper expectations for any rookie quarterback in year one. These guys don't always kind of hit the ground running and, and deliver like high end fantasy performances. I mean, not, you know, even looking at like week one, you know, I don't think they're guys that you're going to be comfortable starting week one. There's not always a, you know, a high, unless it's Cam Newton or somebody like that, who had like the big um, kind of breakout games in his first two uh, NFL games, but just te- basically what I'm saying, tempering expectations, but I do like that Bryce Young is going to get the shot here. And hopefully uh, Anthony Richardson is confirmed next um, because I do have uh, more stock in- invested in him for this season than, than probably any other rookie quarterback. Um, all right. And another one that I am particularly invested in, because this is Antonio Gibson expected to play the third down role. So this is something that we also kind of touched on in, in a previous episode where we discussed uh, scheme changes. Uh, but Eric Bienemy coming in as offensive coordinator, I think there was always going to be the expectation that Gibson would be more involved in the receiving game than he was last season. And and hopefully to a similar level that helped him finish as a top 15 PPR running back in, in 2020 and 2021. Um, we know that JD McKissick McKissick took away a lot of those opportunities for Gibson last season, especially on third and fourth down where we saw where he saw more targets and receptions in those situations, despite Gibson being the more effective back on those downs. And then in in terms of overall snaps as well on third and fourth down uh, McKissick, McKissick was almost exactly even with Gibson in those situations with 91 offensive snaps versus Gibson's 93. So with McKissick still a free agent, I think that opens up a significant opportunity for, for Gibson to emerge uh, with a lot more volume on those key passing downs and in the two minute drill as well, where McKissick also outsnapped Gibson last year. Um, it's, it's again, confirmation, but we love this for Gibby, or at least I do. Uh, how about you, Nate? Yeah, for me, it was like a little surprising that this was news. Like you saw other fantasy analysts who were like, we've known this for months that you yeah. have the third down roll <laughs> just cause it, felt obvious but like for years it was similar like we all wanted Gibson to have that McKissick role so he could be an every down player but in order for that to be really valuable to him he still needed the early down snaps and now Brian Robinson is taking a lot of those early down snaps I could be the seeing um at least somewhat similar to Kansas City last year of like Gibson seeing the same role that Jarek McKinnon was playing Robinson playing the Isaiah Pacheco role and that Robinson, I expect to see the majority of the early down snaps, but Gibson's capable of being early down, being on third downs, even capable of having some goal line work. But I'm not sure either back will be able to see enough volume if Washington's offense is playing well enough to score enough touchdowns to just stay on the field enough to run enough plays to handle both running backs being fantasy relevant this year. So I think if you're in like a 12 person league where everyone's starting two running backs and um, you can flex a running back and it's not PPR, then I think these guys could be uh, fantasy starters more weeks than not. But it's hard for me to see a situation where either of them is a consistent must start fantasy player without the other one getting injured. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and yeah, Washington, they're, they're going to be an interesting team this year. They're, they're one of my favorite kind of fantasy teams, like overall, like even on, on offense and defense, just a lot of interesting names there that could emerge. And um, obviously Sam Howell being a big piece of that as well uh, to see how he does. If he wins the job, Jacoby Brissett as well is also in the mix, but um Let's move on to maybe the coolest news uh, uh, that we'll discuss in this episode, and that is Texans wide receiver uh, John Mechie cleared to participate in training camp after missing all of his rookie season last year with leukemia. 
Um, so obviously awesome stuff here. The Texans spent a second round pick on him in 2022 after he posted over a thousand receiving yards and led Alabama in targets and receptions in 2021. So could be some real opportunities for him here in Houston this season. Nate, um, what, do, what do you think? Is Mechie someone you could see yourself spending a late round pick on in drafts this year? Um, I'm probably not doing too much of that right now, but I'd probably wait to see the preseason and see where these wide receivers shake up. It's always difficult for me when there's a player who hasn't played all that much. And then there's a brand new coaching staff who wasn't the team to bring or the people to bring him in initially. And then they bring in a bunch of other players. Houston added Robert Woods and Noah Brown. And then in the draft tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson. So they've added a ton of wide receivers. So I just don't know where they view him on the pecking order of wide receivers. And a lot of that could very well be yet to be determined in training camp. But I just don't know if this is going to be a situation where we have two clear starters, or is this going to be a situation where we have a lot of guys rotating in and out? Uh, Obviously new offensive coordinator and former PFF analyst, Bobby Slowick. Uh, Maybe I should send him a text and figure out how things are going on, (laughs) but I'm also going to guess that he is pretty busy right now. And I probably shouldn't be leaking anything that he has to say about the team. But in general, probably I think he's a fine late round flyer just in that any wide receiver who is young and could be an every down player. And we just haven't seen much of them yet is worth a flyer late in drafts. But I'm very interested to see how they handle things in the preseason in general, how much um, playing time these young players get since a lot of them it's their first time playing together and then just seeing how they rotate in and out how late into the preseason game these guys are playing yeah for sure I, I mean I know for at least this offense I, I'm still a believer in Nico Collins as a potential lead target earner uh, in Houston for this season but I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know heading into 2024 um, Mechie is the guy that we're kind of more excited about as a potential breakout. I, I can easily see him having kind of one of those up and down years as he as he finds his footing in the NFL while still flashing a lot of the potential um, that was present in college and made him a second round pick. Uh, I'll definitely be rooting for him to have a strong year and then give us a true breakout season in 2024 with this team and CJ Stroud under center. Bobby Slowick, like you said, Colin plays Houston could be an offense on the rise in the next couple of years. So um, exciting stuff over there uh, with the Texans. All right. One more piece of news, this time a player who you'd be hard pressed to call a player on the rise at this point in his career. Uh, 36 year old Jimmy Graham, who also did not play football last season, signs a one year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Nate, did this one catch you by surprise like it did me? And do you think there is any fantasy juice left to squeeze out of Graham returning to his old stomping grounds in New Orleans where he had his best years as a fantasy asset? Uh, Yeah, this was a fun one in that you keep reading it and thinking it's going to be a one-day contract and not a one-year contract. But um, it looks like he is on the team, and it's very interesting in that the Saints already invested a new contract in Juwan Johnson. They invested a contract in free agent Foster Moreau, who has experience with Derek Carr, their new quarterback. They still have Taysom Hill, who reportedly was going to be playing more tight end this year after they invested so much in running back and uh, added Jesse James as well, who might be out of the picture at this point now that they've added so many tight ends. But I think uh, definitely view Graham as third on the depth chart, and I'm not drafting any third string tight end, but this could hurt Johnson a little bit. It could hurt Moreau. Uh, Johnson, someone that I wrote a player profile on last weekend, the more I wrote, was more concerned about it just because he wasn't a high volume player whatsoever. He just scored a lot of touchdowns and uh Foster Moreau ends up with more chemistry with Derek Carr or Jimmy Graham. The one thing that he was doing with Chicago near the end of his career was scoring touchdowns. So if other tight ends are going to take away the one thing Johnson was doing well, then Johnson's not going to have any fantasy value and certainly a chance Johnson ends up being a higher volume player, but it's kind of hard to see it when a lot of the other players are the same. They've added more players. Michael Thomas is now healthy. So Um, If anything, it just cements the fact that Johnson is probably not someone that I'll be considering among the sleeper tight ends, probably will be looking elsewhere when I'm looking for a sleeper. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And I I think, you know, 
maybe best case scenario for a guy like a Jawan Johnson or, or even Foster Moreau is that Graham's brought in to kind of help these guys develop and, and, you know, coach him up as, as up and comers. Cause yeah, I don't think he's, you know, taking over tight end one duties anytime soon. I mean, it's been what, like five years or something since he's even cracked 500 receiving yards in a season. So, so can't imagine there's, there's much to be excited about for him for fantasy, but like you said, if it potentially hurts one of the other guys, then yeah, that th- this becomes more significant in that kind of way. So um, yeah, Jimmy Graham still hanging around and getting fantasy headlines. Um, but enough about the fantasy drafts. Now time for a different kind of draft, our weekly head-to-head draft between Nathan and I as we take on different random topics. Uh, And for anyone paying attention to one of the top trending topics on Twitter this week, there has been a whole lot of confirming through government officials and hearings that UFOs and aliens do in fact exist, which much like the Rashad Penny news and Antonio Gibson news may or not just be confirming what a lot of people already suspected, Um, but it's exciting nonetheless. So, So naturally, what better topic to draft this week than the best alien movies Nate, I don't even want to talk about our draft last time uh, as it was a complete disaster for me. And it was the real reason that I took time off just to recover from the ass whooping that you delivered to me in our last draft. So now I'll be looking for redemption while you will be looking to get a winning streak going. How are you feeling about this one? Um, I'm not feeling all that great about it. I did my research. And like a lot of times when I'm doing my research for these drafts, I'm like, I've had to at least seen what we're talking about or know what we're talking about so if even if these lists that i see online has something ranked high if i don't know anything about it i'm not going to end up picking them so that really limited the movies that i can select here but hopefully um, enough of our listeners have similar taste in movies that i do that i can squeak out a victory yeah, this is it's kind of like, well, it's like the board game thing for me, right? I didn't have the experience with the board games. I only tried to pick the ones that I played and I was still able to squeak out a win. So it's not impossible, um, but I do get the first overall pick here. So first overall pick was tough. I would have been fine with the second overall pick in this one because I think there's two that I really like. Um, but I'm going to go with Close Encounters of the Third Kind uh, from 1977. So well before uh, I was born, but still one that I've seen a few times. It's an instant classic um, at Steven Spielberg and uh, one that is kind of universally renowned as one of the best um, like alien encounter movies uh, of all time. Um, and it has that iconic like five note chime thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you seen Close Encounters? I have not, no. I feel like a lot of these that you're going to pick, I haven't seen yet. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. uh, The one that I hope that I can snipe away from you is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. I want to make sure that I get at least one classic alien encounter movie that when you think of alien encounter movies, it's a movie you think of. So I will pick E.T. with my first pick. Nice. Yeah, that that was high on my list um, for sure. Uh, E.T. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue that one. That that one actually, as weird as this sounds, that one scared me more uh, as a kid than like any of these other ones that I'm going to talk about. There was something about E.T. dressing up like with with human clothing that really freaked me out. Mm -hmm. Um, But for my second pick, I'm going to go with Aliens. Um, It's right there in the title, but it's the sequel to um, uh, James Cameron's Alien movie um Sigourney Weaver Aliens I think this the sequel is actually better than the original and I like the original a lot too but um there's something a lot more fun with with more than just one alien um that they have to deal with so I am going with Aliens plural 1986 that is this is where I'm gonna start just veering off and (laughs) having fun movies that have aliens in them but I will go with Men in Black with my next pick just another it's a classic movie it has aliens in it it's mostly about aliens so i think it definitely counts so um men in black a fun movie that i will take number two it is yeah it's very much a movie mostly about aliens and yeah it's a good one and obviously you know a classic in there so you you may win some some fan favorite votes here um which is has hurt me before so i will go for my third one I'm going to go district nine. So this is one like not 
not recent it's like 2009 um but it was just like a really interesting take on the alien invasion movies where they they came to earth and then we immediately like kind of imprisoned them and and made them live in as like almost like refugees and stuff and um it just had really cool really cool twist and and, and stuff like that in it and uh, some good action pieces um the aliens looked kind of cool like cockroaches but um yeah i i like district nine a lot when it came out still like that one um i will add that to my uh, collection here better usually when we do these drafts i try to get my list down to 10 or if i'm picking first just nine movies so i'd be very prepared of like what i'm doing today i ended up with like 13 movies and i'm like <laughs> i'll just go with what i feel like near the end and definitely didn't even need uh that many so um next i'm gonna go with nope get let's go with a more recent movie a uh, big fan of jordan peele so that's mostly why i'm picking nope here but I also think it's good to have a variety of movies in terms of older and newer on this list as well. And starting with E.T. going before I was born and then Men in Black being an older movie. I think it's good to get more well-rounded here with Nope as my third pick. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. I actually I just watched that like last month or something like that. It was like it was it was good. I like Nope. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, Jordan Peele has been he's been knocking it out of the park for sure. So, yeah, yeah good call with that one. Um, hmm. Okay, next one I'm going. I'm going signs. Uh, the M Night Shyamalan. Uh, it's Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, but um, not like a you know, it's not as good as Sixth Sense or anything. But Sixth Sense, not an Aliens movie. But I did. I actually really like Signs. I know it's not everyone's favorite. Um, so this is this could hurt me here, but had a lot of good Alien moments and and the cool twist in that. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. Well, it's it's like how old is what did it? What year did I say? 2002. Uh -huh. They they were like allergic to the water, our 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 planet's water. Okay, so it's, it's spoilers for a movie over two decades old. There you go. <laughs> okay, with my next pick, I'm going to go with the most tried and true way of doing our drafts that we've had so far. Whenever we pick Michael Jordan, it's gone well. Whenever we pick Space Jam, it's gone well. <laughs> Space Jam is a movie about aliens invading and Michael Jordan having to stop them. So I will go with Space Jam for my fourth pick. <laughs> That's a great pick. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's there's a, a track record of success there with Michael Jordan. So I did not even think of Space Jam. Well done. Um, all right. I got one more. I am going to go War of the Worlds, uh, 2005's War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. Just a fun movie. Dakota Fanning's a little annoying in it. Um, but other than that, it's, it's it's a good movie. Lots of Tom Cruise running from things as he likes to do. But uh, it, it ended up being a pretty fun movie. Um, so I'll add War of the Worlds to the list. All right. I'll ask you this question. Are MCU movies, would you count any comic book movie whatsoever? Because a lot of them involve aliens. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, oh, That's man. what I spent at least 10% of my podcast <laughs> prep trying to figure out is that because like Avengers is literally uh, aliens invading yeah. Earth and heroes of Earth defending Earth i'll i'll allow it I, it's it's my own fault that i didn't think of it um so this could be this could be a, a big big swing in your direction um so yeah I'll, but i will i will allow because yeah absolutely it's it's there's aliens yeah. invading um go for it and i think i'll go with adventures because that one feels the most like a classic what you think of aliens of aliens invading earth having to stop the aliens who are invading because like Guardians of the Galaxy fits decently well in that it's a lot of aliens. The Ragnarok feels like it sort of fits, but Avengers, like I, some of my movies involve aliens coming to Earth and Earth having to defend them, not in the classical sense, but Avengers at least sort of fits that mold. So it does. I'll go yeah, with it, Avengers. It does. Well played again. Yeah, the Chitari uh, coming to Earth mm -hmm. there and uh, invading. Yeah. So. Nicely done. That's good. I, I can't believe I didn't think of that. So that that's going to be, I think that might be a key here. I got a bad feeling now. Um, <laughs> all right. So I got, uh, I went Close Encounters, Aliens. So that was the sequel, uh, District 9, Signs, and War of the Worlds. And you went E.T., Men in Black, Nope, Space Jam, and The Avengers. Nicely done. All right. Well, we'll get that out uh, this week and we'll open it up for votes. I'll probably close the voting uh, maybe a little earlier since we're recording twice uh, a week now. It makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. We get most of the votes in the first two days anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, if you right. did snipe yeah, any ahead. of my picks, 
I was considering Lilo and Stitch. I was surprised at how many lists I found Lilo and Stitch pretty high on the rankings, and I enjoyed Lilo and Stitch, so I very well could have ended up with them. Sonic the Hedgehog also fits of an alien coming, and it's not as widely regarded as some of these other movies, (laughs) but I was definitely considering Sonic the Hedgehog if everything else was going wrong in this draft. (laughs) Yeah, we we can save Sonic the Hedgehog for like best video game based movies or something like that. Because I don't know if many people realize that Sonic was was an alien for those movies. Without yeah, Lilo yeah. and Stitch, that's a good call too. I didn't think of that one either. Damn. All right, um, that will do it for another episode of the PFF Fantasy Podcast. Thank you all very much for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Nate, for doing this again with me, dropping a ton of knowledge to help the drafters as we lead into Week One. Because that's what it's all about, delivering the best fantasy information available to help the people win their leagues. And we will continue to do that all year long. Nate, thank you again. Please let the people know what you have up on the site this week to help them dominate their drafts for fantasy season. Um, Sure. I've got league winning running backs, league winning tight ends. Uh, Update to my draft strategy for 12-team leagues, as well as draft strategy for 10-team leagues for people picking early, people picking in the middle of the draft, late in the draft will come next week. Uh, Player profiles for a bunch of players, including over the past two weeks, a lot of the players that we talked about today. So if you want even more information about some of those players, definitely find them on the website, as well as Superflex rankings were updated on the site this week. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, lots up there. Um, As for me, since I am technically on PTO this week, is just a daily drop of my updated rankings and tiers. So quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends uh, are all up there. And then all the IDP ranks and tiers will keep that going, I think, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, for my fellow IDP degenerates. So again, if you haven't done so already, uh, please subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel and the PFF Fantasy Discord. They cost nothing more than a click of the mouse and mean a lot to us as far as supporting the show. Um, So thank you to those who already have and those that continue to do so. Next episode, we will be back uh, early next week talking round by round potential league winners. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I hope you all tune in for that. And until next time, peace out. We'll be right back.